Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast, a very giddy Forza Italian Football Podcast this week. And we are giddy partially because we're welcoming back Vito Doria. Vito, you have returned. Welcome back. It's good to speak to you again. Oh, it's uh, great to be back. I've missed out on the last few pods, but uh, yeah, looking forward to returning to this because, yeah, I'll be honest, I missed it. It's always great fun, great to have a chat and yeah. Great to have a discussion about the latest Serie A action. Well, you're coming back in for a good round because round 34 was a bit of a belter, to be honest with you, which might explain some of the giddiness. But I think the large reason behind that is because Kev Fogelski is also here. Kev, how are you keeping, mate? I'm good, yeah. I'm just back from Anfield, so it's been a long day. You don't seem too pleased because Vito, <laughs> Vito got you in trouble. <laughs> Well, you know, I had I had a little tickly cough before the the start of the pod, and he dobbed me straight in. Um, there was he, I just got completely thrown under the bus by him. You did, and I very much appreciated it because I couldn't see who it was. Um, you and Burns, you're also here again. I I can't get away from you really, or you probably can't get away from me. Is a more accurate way of putting it. Oh, it's been relentless, relentless <laughs> podcasting, and now we're doing it late at night. I, I really want to moan about it being late at night because I'm not a night person, but then mm. I feel like I can't because you're an hour further on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it I've my, always got that card to play. Right? Invalid. But you missed it. You, you've you come on late enough that you don't remember when we used to go out at 1am was like the standard recording time, which was <laughs> which was never great, but... Yeah, we're we're back at a, a slightly more civilized time of half past twelve Central European summer time at the moment. So at at least you're still on Sunday, Ewan, for for the start of this podcast at least. But we're here to talk about round thirty four. It was quite a decent one in which not all that much changed. A few a few things came a little bit more solidified and other things came a little bit more shaky, but nothing actually changed when you look at the the face of the table. It started on Saturday with Torino beating Spezia 2-1 and Atalanta winning 3-1 away at Venezia. Then Inter beat Roma 3-1. I mean, they're they're just stepping closer and closer to the title. An impressive win there over former coach Jose Mourinho, of course. Verona Sampdoria finished 1-1. And then on Sunday, Salernitana picked up their third win in a week. And third win in as many games to beat Fiorentina 2-1. Bologna Udinese was 2-2. Empoli beat Napoli 3-2, coming from 2-0 down. Getting their first win since mid-December and their first win since they last played the Parthenope. All but ending Napoli's title chances if they were still intact after the previous defeat. Genoa, as I told you they would, they beat Cagliari 1-0 to go within three points of Cagliari, alongside Salernitana now as well. And Lazio went 1-0 up against Milan on Sunday night, but couldn't hold on. And Milan won 2-1 with a stoppage time winner from Sandro Tonali. Sassuolo play Juventus on Monday night, so we won't, of course, be talking about that because the game hasn't taken place yet. But there's plenty to get through from what happened. But before we get to it, just a reminder that we are on patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football. There's two euro, five euro, and ten euro tiers. We got two bonus podcasts out last week, and there will be two bonus podcasts out this week as well for the five and ten euro patrons. So sign up, support the podcast, and be treated to extra Italian football content. But onto the football. Kev, Milan beat Lazio 2 1, and it, there was a slight feeling of Milan doing it again. They didn't offer all that much. They went behind quite early on, but they 
they dug in, they fought, they made some changes, and they ended up with three points, and they stay hot on Interstales. Yeah, we um, we spoke in midweek that this was one of those games um, that they could they drop points, and I sort of highlighted that Milan could be got at, and some of the teams they're going to come up against, um, if they can score more than twice, there's not enough goals at the other end of the pitch, and they kind of did two things I wasn't probably expecting of them tonight, which was withstand Lazio and only maybe concede one. And while uh, Giroud got the equaliser, it was find goals from, from elsewhere to win it because Tonali's popped up with just his third goal of the season. And if they are going to drag themselves to the title or drag themselves past Inter, then that, that's what they need to do. They need to really make the most of their opportunities to take three points off people. And they, they kind of did that tonight without looking let's say as impressive as Inter because I think that's the thing is now we're going to be judging these two side by side mm. almost every week and with Inter's victory over Roma it, it you know it was possibly a better res, uh, result or performance than we give Milan credit for because of how well Inter kind of is stepping into this total race yeah I mean it wasn't great for Milan but it, it very rarely is they don't really play well do they but they just keep winning but there was a feeling tonight of of that game being something a little bit special. You saw the post-match celebrations afterwards and you and I think not only the result, but those celebrations say quite a lot about the group, about what Pioli's done there and the fact that they're still in this position, having had to manage so many injuries and, and whatnot through the course of the season is impressive in and of itself. Yeah, I think the way they won this game and the celebrations afterwards and stuff, it kind of showed that whichever one of the two wins the title, it's going to be won purely on footballing ability, not any sort of mentality or squad spirit or whatever, because like that that was a, a properly together team. And I think the way it was exhibited, I don't know if maybe I just felt like this because you know, sort of wise after the event sort of thing. But to me, it felt inevitable they were going to score. I, I felt relatively convinced for the last 10 minutes that they will find a goal. There will be enough minutes. And I think you could sense that in the way they're playing. I think they felt like we will find the back of the net. That chance will come and we will take it because we're we're good enough to do this. We're good enough to win the league. And I think that, that sort of mentality is that that can be kept together for the amount of games that is left. And I can genuinely see it going like all the way to the end. I went to the game at, at home to Bologna. And I had that feeling even though they weren't doing anything. Like Milan weren't creating chances. They weren't knocking on the door. But I just thought, no, they'll they'll find one. And then eight minutes got added on in that game. And I thought, yeah, they're they're just going to find something in these eight minutes. And I had a similar thing. when what Was it five minutes were added on at the Olympic of this evening? And Ibrahimovic had that chance. And you just kind of thought, it does feel like Milan are getting out of here with three points somehow. Uh, and then... Ibra was involved. He, of course, headed down for Tonali to turn in in, in stoppage time. And they, they do just have players who can, even when they're not doing that well, create something, do something. We've seen Benacer score goals from the edge of the box. We've seen Ibra be Ibra. Rafael Leao can be magic. And, and Teo can just drive through a crowd of bodies or just smash a shot in from range as well. But Concerning maybe at the other end, Vito, is that Fikayo Tomori is not at his best week at Milan, and this isn't the time that you want your your best defender to be having a little bit of a of a shaky time. He was questionable a midweek, and again, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh here to point fingers at him for for Chiro Immobile's goal, but having watched the replay back a few times, I can't quite work out what he was supposed to be doing where he was. Yeah, for that immobile goal, it seemed that he was just too free and that uh, he wasn't picking up a man or trying to play anyone from Lazio offside. Uh, perhaps, if anything, he probably could have uh, anticipated the cross and intercepted that. Uh, probably for that immobile goal, you could also question that um, perhaps Kalulu should have tried to get ahead of Immobile, but instead he was behind. So maybe in that moment, uh, Kalulu could have done better as well. As for Tomori in general, I 
you know, perhaps, yeah, the timing isn't good because these are some crucial fixtures coming up and it's an important run-in, especially if they're going to win their first Serie A title since 2010-2011. And if uh, this game and especially that Copitalia fixture against Inter is anything to good by, maybe it's shown in those particular moments that uh, when it comes to counter-attacking or if an opponent's attacking them at pace, perhaps for, uh, tomorrow he needs to be a lot more alert. So he, he's not a slow player, but uh, if he's not got to be quick enough in terms of leg speed, he's got to find a way to make it up by being better in terms of speed of thoughts. Kev, speaking of speed of thought, the old boys, Giroud got a goal, Ibrahimovic got an assist. You must be quite pleased to see people of, of your age still able to function. Well, the speed of thought is probably what I don't have anymore. And uh, <laughs> what, you got speed of legs, have you? No, well, I never did have, so I don't, you know, I can't lose. I can't lose that. But um, I thought you were going to praise uh, Giroud's speed of leg or whatever we you know, call it, just because it was Liao breaking down the left-hand side for the equaliser mm. and for sort of Giroud to... I love, there, is a, there is an element of, like you say, mental, uh, or yeah, the, the mental side of making the run at the right time and making the run into the right area. So you're not just in a foot race with your, your teammate, but to be there for the cutback. But um, it was what we, what we mentioned on one of the previous pods about the... Uh, and it's not necessarily the it's, it's influence and impact more than anything else because uh, at their age you only want these players to do the things that they've done tonight. So one of them scored and Ibra set up the the other, but it has to become more frequent than what it has been in previous games. And this is where you know they've they've had spells in the season which you would say justify why they're still in and around the Milan side or any side really um, attempting to be title winners. Um, but it's at the final sort of stages of the season when you really want to sort of see their worth come to the fore. Well, if they get the play against players like Adam Marusic every week, they'll be all right. Because you and we said that Lazio would allow Milan to have chances. But, I mean, when we sat to do the preview part, I don't think we'd quite expect that one of Lazio's defenders would do what Adam Marusic did for... For Milan's, wasn't it the the second? I, I can't even remember. It was the first. It was the first. But what what on earth was he doing there to be dispossessed by Rebic? It it was. I I, I want a better word, but I can't get past the word pathetic. The way that <laughs> he lost the like, cause it just was. It, I, I I remember I saw him sort of heading back towards goal, and I actually said to Dad when we were watching because you could see obviously he had a man on him, and then Ebra had quite cleverly blocked off. The direction he wanted to go in, he'd sort of taken the keeper and the other defenders out of the equation. And I kind of said, "What's your plan here?" And the right thing in that situation, you knock it out for throwing if you have to, yeah. or you know, try and if you're feeling confident, hook a clearance <laughs> up the other end. But don't don't turn back, don't get shrugged off the ball. And I was pleased that the ref didn't blow for a foul, even though it's so obviously not a foul. But often they can be quick to blow in that sort of situation. You know, I feel like defenders get leniency when they're about to lose the ball like that. Um, but and then it just sort of got worse. The obviously a Cherby's getting, which we'll talk about a bit more. But he's getting <laughs> a lot of stick, but like I, I feel like surely Strakosha must have shouted there. I mean, that that's mm. the keeper's responsibility to me. If if he shouted and a Cherby still headed it, then you know that's that's the defender's fault. But that that was a keeper's ball. And any dominant keeper should have had that in his arms, and then none of it happens. Well, the Marisic thing does because that will happen, mm. <laughs> but the rest of it doesn't happen. And I think it was just a, a, a series of hideous events that, if I were a Lazio fan, it made my skin crawl. Yeah, Kev, Ewan's mentioned it. Uh, Acherbi made people angry because he smiled. Um. Yeah, it's 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 quite the <laughs> grin. Um, it's, it's it's quite quite the grin as he sort of picked the ball out of the net, but oh, I don't know. People get I, I let's I had a I had a habit of playing with a smile on my face, and we don't see it so much anymore. And people just like to find things to get angry with, um, which you, you know you 
you'd probably ex- expect that I'd get angry by this, the amount of times I get angry of just you know what, wearing though? different coloured shirts. But I, I really didn't expect you to get angry about this because I, I find the reaction to his smile hilarious. Like, people are losing their minds. And I just think it's really fucking funny because... I know we're not supposed to swear on this. Sorry, I, I let I let it slip. I let it slip. But that's it. We got free reign. I <laughs> don't. Um, but you know, sometimes you know when something bad happens, you do kind of just think, "Oh, typical," you know, and have a little smile. And and also the fact that he might have thought that Tonali fouled him by pushing him over, and he might have been smiling as if to say, "You're re- you're really not going to give that," you know. It's not like a a smile of happiness. I think the reaction is comical. And some of the things I've seen, I've just been thinking like that is, oh, is, why are you, why are you tweeting that? You're, you're a grown adult man. Just, just step away from your computer before you shout at a footballer for smiling on the pitch. I just, I don't know. I don't well, know. It's because they don't want to accept their team's failings so they can just sort of pick on one person in particular because they, chose to put a facial expression on that they didn't like. Vito, the win doesn't send Milan, it doesn't give them any advantage over Inter that they didn't have coming into this weekend because Inter beat Roma 3-1. And to be fair, they kind of mopped the floor with them and I would have expected a tighter game than this one. Oh, certainly. With a coach like Mourinho, you'd think that he would have been able to give his former club a bit more of a contest and really force it into a tactical battle. But uh, Inter, in the last couple of weeks, especially if Marcelo Brozovic returning to the midfield, uh, they looked like they were a class above Inter. Watching them play now, uh, I think they're giving themselves every chance to go for back-to-back titles. And we're seeing that... uh, that great collective play that they had under Antonio Conte and what they were showing in the first half of this season. So with the way they are performing as a team, I think they're giving themselves uh, every chance to finish the season on a positive note. And the way they play and the way they dismantled Roma, um, they're going to definitely give uh, Milan a run for their money. You would expect it. Kev... The the Denzel Dumfries goal it was very Antonio Conte, wasn't it? The the way they moved that from from back to front, and then he just got in and swept on with the finish. I, I did feel like I was watching last season's Inter on that one. Yeah, it was a sweeping attack, and it it, it took me a moment to to work out who scored it because it was it was sort of collected and finished like a striker. And I think probably the fact that it was left foot sort of made me sort of second guess. It was almost because I was watching the highlights. It was like, no, oh no, wait, no, Lukaku's not there anymore. Who scored that? And it's oh, it's done three. But like you say, it was so it was so like last season's Inter, and it was you know so polished a move that it was um, yeah, it really really took you back. And, and fair play to the lad for how he finished it. You know what's happened in in the last few weeks that. They've just seemingly woken up. Like, ha- have they just realised that the title is now suddenly on the line and they, they had slipped up too many times and they can't do it anymore? The only thing I can think it is, is I feel like with this Inter team, everything happens at once. It all happens at the same time. So it felt like multiple key players, effectively the spine of the team, all seem to run out of puff at the same time. Which often with a good team, you'll get an individual at different bits of the season will have a dip in form and the others kind of carry them through it and form stays relatively consistent. They, you know, Barella, Lautaro, Dzeko, um, obviously Brozovic didn't lose form, but he missed a few games. It all seemed to happen at once and it meant that they had a really awful run of form, but they all seem to have clicked again. And, you know, maybe they're, they're, surely there must be something else that has made them click but it's the, it's the fact that it's happened all at once hmm. means it just feels so sudden suddenly they're really good again and they're back to early season or as Kev said last season <laughs> um, and it's happened at a very nice time for them and I, I I don't see them 
dip again. I was looking at the fixtures. Um, it's not, you know, you, you can picture them winning all five remaining games. Um, whereas perhaps with Milan, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case. Yeah, well, I think Bologna midweek might be a bit of a tricky one, just because Bologna have have put it up to the the bigger sides so far this season. Like they they held Milan, they held Juve, they held Atalanta earlier in the season as well. I can't think of their results against the others, but they can be tricky. And if Inter can overcome that, I think they're they've really got there because like I said with with Kev and with you I think on on the Patreon pods last week it's really hard to see Milan not dropping one point between now and the end of the season and I know they've overcome a game since then but it's it it is just difficult to see them not dropping a single point between now and the end but Vito from a Roma perspective this is a little bit of a blow to them though they will take something from the fact that both Lazio and Fiorentina lost? Well, those uh, defeats might be some, might bring Roma some sort of breathing space, but uh, I think just losing this alone uh, gives uh, Roma you know, a bit of a dent in any hopes of Champions League qualification. They're already five points behind Juventus, and... Uh, one would assume that, you know, on, at least on paper, Juventus would go on and beat Sassuolo in Reggio Emilia on Monday night. So, um, assuming that Juve wins that game, they extend the margin to eight points, and uh, in the next few rounds, it's going to make uh, the Champions League a uh, harder tournament for Roma to qualify. That being said, though, you'd still expect Roma to still qualify for Europe and uh, they're still in the Conference League, so at least they've got that for some European prestige and you know they might even fancy their chances of winning that competition. So I think it's more just a chance of, you know, having that Champions League aspiration is a good chance that this defeat to Inter will mean that uh, reaching Europe Premier competition will slip out of their hands at least for this season. If they end up with with European qualification and a trophy, I think they take that at the end of the season. To be honest, um, Napoli, Empoli three, Napoli two. Now this, Kev, what what is wrong with that football club? Like, why do they always do this to themselves? I, I, you know, I was a little surprised that they hadn't done it at the. Um... Diego Maradona, because you know that felt like it would have been even even more classic uh, Napoli. It's just, the the shocking thing about this is that they were tuning up with ten minutes to go, plus injury time. Ten minutes to go. No, it's funny. Like uh, Napoli fans, I am sorry, but that is funny. You're playing against a team that haven't won for four months as well. They're, they've been on the beach since December. Well, actually, that's it. Because when I was when I was watching this, I was thinking all I had was your voice in my head going, <laughs> "Empley don't win another game this season." I've been Empley, saying it since Empley, January. <laughs> Empley don't win another game, and we go, "Well, this is exactly the game that they're going to go and rock up and win, aren't they?" Because, uh, well, yeah, Napoli were horrendous. What I found particularly beautiful about this is the last. Game they won was against Napoli. Well, the last game yeah. they carried out was against Napoli. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, you'd you'd just be fuming, wouldn't you, <laughs> if you were, if you were implemented? Um, the, the fact that they've just, like you say, just completely clocked out. They got to about ninth, didn't they? And they were really good, and then they just checked out until Napoli came back around <laughs> yeah. and decided I'm... to play again, and not even for a whole game for ten minutes. Seven, seven minutes it was between the first and the third goal. But I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that they won because they were going to stay up regardless. And I was doing a preview for this game during the week and I saw a statistic that no team has ever stayed up. I don't know if it's just in Serie A it was in the top five European leagues without having won a single game in the second half of the season. And Empoli were on track to do that because there was no risk of them going down. But they've kind of blown it now. But, like, can we we just move on from this now? Because I feel like Napoli deserve to be slaughtered 
for what they've put their fans through yet again. Just getting them to the point where they really believed, then pulling it back a little bit, and, and then getting them again to that point where they were starting to believe. And now... I think this is, this is one of those things where, if this is Roma or Lazio, the other side of the city take great pleasure in this. If it's Milan, Inter, you know, and they're throwing away a title challenge, they take great credit in it. But because Napoli are very much this sort of one-team city, it some it somehow sort of hurts me a little bit because I can I can kind of feel the collective agony of yeah. the entire city that they're doing this team that they're doing. You know. There's kids growing up that haven't got the choice of choosing the, the, the team on the other side of the city because they only have Napoli. And so much of this, there's this, this mystique around Napoli within the city because of Maradona. So then collectively, the, the team drags the entire city down, you know, and they're all being the pits of despair until, well, probably until next season when there's another faint hope of a total challenge. So I do, I do, I do feel for the supporters so much in this scenario because it, it is, it's, it's the weight of a, a whole city bears from that football club. Can we talk about Alex Merritt? Oh fuck! Oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was the equaliser. Ah, oh, because that was the thing. Because like. like <laughs> last last week it was like oh you know he's coming there was loads and loads about he was coming in to replace Ospina and then he he was he was almost faultless for for the Roma game where they drew and then you just know that the next time out then he's definitely going to make an error mm. because you know he's probably on cloud line he's 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 been drafted into the team he's been faultless no real fault for the goal that Roma got last week and then he goes and does that and it's. Oh. Yeah, like you've just you're two you're two nil up. You've just conceded. It's two one. It's a little bit shaky, and you get a back pass to you, and you've got two Empoli attackers and two Napoli defenders in the box. Clear it, <laughs> clear it, Alex. Don't take a touch, and then another touch, and then and another. It was, wet. <laughs> it was, and it was wet. I think the rain was starting to come down. It had so been like... it had been raining all day. Yeah. So it's like be even more sure of your foot, you know, of your footwork, and then you go and do that, and it's like, yeah, sorry, lad. Let's see the exit door for you this in the summer. Oh, Napoli, Napoli, Napoli. What can what can what more can be said? In Campania, there was one happy set of supporters though, because Salernitana are at the moment everything that Napoli aren't, because they've won three games in a week. They had won three games all season before this week. And now suddenly, it looks like Davide Nicola is going to do another survival, Ewan, to put it in your words. <laughs> well, I part of me now feels bad for all of the times where we've obviously like talked about the relegation point and said, oh yeah, Southern Town are gone. But then, then I sort of think about it again and I think, I don't feel bad. Because we had absolutely every single right to think that, <laughs> like this, this isn't right. This isn't normal. No, it, it's it's not even like they were good at one point in the season and then fell away and were the castaway team. They were bad the whole time, and then suddenly they've just won these three games. And now it feels like everyone in the country, barring the, the people that they could overtake, uh, are behind them. Team Genoa. Team Genoa. Team Group well, you could have Both. Could I? Well, yeah, Genoa, Genoa win the derby next week. They're two points behind Samp, and there's the there's the shock. Samp go down, Hang Genoa on. stay up. Can I just can I just take issue with Ewan's phrasing there? It would be at the expense of Vito, as if Vito <laughs> would cease to exist if Samp got relegated. Vito, come on, you've got to defend yourself and your team. Here. <laughs> if your team go down, you can't be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that yeah, be gut wrenching. Absolutely gut wrenching. <laughs> the superstitions could kick in. That is what happens, though, isn't it? Because that's why I've never chosen a club. Because if your team gets relegated, you're off the pod. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it would definitely feel awkward, you know. I mean, I got some in Serie B, and 
I'm still here on the pod and we don't talk City of B, so yeah, it'd be very weird. I got stuck with the opposite. I started supporting Atalanta when they were on the verge of getting relegated. Then they qualify for Europe and all of a sudden I'm hosting the thing. So let's hope that something else happens and I can go back to just being on it occasionally and not having to be here every week. But um, Genoa, Soleni Tana, all of the boys at the bottom, they're, they're flying because Genoa beat Cagliari, who are very much not flying. They are sinking and Cagliari are going to Serie B. They're going to Serie B. They're getting relegated. They're going down with Venezia. Gone. Good night. They're not in the drop zone at the moment, but they're done. They're cooked. So, Kev. <laughs> I, I had a one-word match report for that game, which was scrappy. <laughs> it, it looked terrible. It's like even the goal at the end sort of just rolled tantalisingly yeah, like in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Calgary looked. For all their possession, Calgary looked uh, awful wasteful and most times I've seen them apart from actually wanting to go to Sardinia and seeing some Syria I'd be quite happy for them to go down all right yeah, you I'll two I'm coming at I'm coming at the two of you both as one um you know you can still go to the football when the teams aren't in Serie A because Ewan has this weird thing about right it it showed its head there because if Samp get relegated Vito doesn't exist he also has this weird thing where if Venezia get relegated, Venezia don't exist. And now you, you want to go to Sardinia to see the football, but it's not a possibility if there, there is a Serie B, guys. Well, well, you you know that I will go to Serie B. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it's just that with Calgary being the team there, it's slightly more appealing if they've got some decent opposition to watch. Okay. Um, because I do have my eye on a. Syria B trip to Bari next year. Now they've been promoted. Oh, let's do it. I quite, I quite like the thought of that. So maybe a little uh, FIF. When there's an international break and Syria B are still playing, we get ourselves down to uh, down to Bari. They break too, unfortunately. Oh, they do, do they? Oh, they I, I do. wondered if it was like uh, other leagues where the, the divisions below the top ones carry on. But so I think C and D continue. B take the break. Um, That's correct. But what was I going to say? There's a, there's going to be a derby up here in, in Serie B if you want to come to it. It's not really a derby, but it is because Modena and Parma against each other, but they're both kind of more concerned with their mutual hatred for Reggio Emilia between the two of them. So it should be, it's not going to be the spiciest, but I mean, it's still technically a derby, right? But we've got to talk about David Nicola Vito, and if he manages to keep Salernitana up from the position they were in, how do you think that compares to the magic he did at Crotone? This would be even more remarkable. We've got to consider that in the first half of this season, Salernitana were pretty much hopeless. They were atrocious. They were substandard. And then there was this whole kerfuffle with uh, Lotito's ownership of the club, and then in January... The club got new owners, and then he had to bring in a lot of uh, new players. And it seemed like these players were just brought in for experience. Um, it's taken them, you know, a long time to get a good streak on. But after what's happened in the last week, they've definitely got some chance of survival. And uh, they certainly got the momentum because some don't have that momentum. Coyote have been inconsistent, and they had a bad start to the season too. But uh, it doesn't seem that Cagliari will put a few wins together. And uh, Genoa have improved under Blessing. But uh, just the way things are going at Salernitana, it's just, yeah, they've just got the right balance, bit of X factor. And, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I think uh, with this run of form, I think the confidence will be sky high. And if they do survive, it'd be the first time in their history they do it because now in Serie A in the late 40s, they went straight down. Now in Serie A again in 98, 99, went straight down. And if they managed to survive for the first time in their history, it would be a remarkable set of circumstances, largely because they were that bad. And uh, I think for Nicola, he will really be, he should really be considered to be a true Salvezza specialist because. Mm. This really is something out of the ordinary. I thought with Crotone, that was remarkable in itself. 
but I thought, you know, they were new, they were just uh, getting uh, experience in the division. I don't, they did not have the off-field troubles that Salernitana had, but I think with uh, how the season started for Salernitana, that will only make this achievement seem more remarkable. I think you're right, because I personally would say that this Salernitana squad is better than the, the Crotone team he had to work under him, but like you said, all the, the rubbish that's been going on away from the pitch, I mean, he didn't have to deal with that at Crotone the last time, so it's an interesting one, and just a reminder that at the bottom of the table now, we've got Cagliari on, on 28 points, Salernitana and Genoa on 25, uh, Venezia on 22, they, they're done, it seems, although saying teams are done seems to revive them, so who knows, but Samp on 30, they're not entirely out of it yet, we will get onto their game in just a little bit, but first, um, there's another Campania team who have been battling against relegation for a couple of weeks, and this weekend, you and I went to see them today. It was Napoli Femminile in Serie A Femminile, and that is kind of heating up now as well. This was the third from last round. Milan beat Pomigliano six-two. Now Pomigliano can still get relegated, but they they very much won't. Sassuolo Napoli was scoreless, meaning Napoli are now two points off safety. Lazio lost 5-1 to Juve. Juve can win the title next time out in the penultimate round. Fiorentina lost 3-2 to Lazio to keep Fiorentina just two points above relegation somehow, or to Roma rather. Oh God, that's that's not one you want to get wrong there, is it? Um, Roma closing in on second place. Empoli beat Samp 3-1 and Inter beat Verona 4-0. So it's getting interesting there. It is the the Napoli result from their point of view. I feel like I feel like we only know by the end of the season if that's a good point or not. Mm. Which is one of them. They are they are in that situation now where like you need to win games. Yeah, but draws aren't necessarily enough. But they're away at a much better team. I will say as well. I I thought that I thought they needed to win, but then I thought, but they were away at Sassuolo. It's a good result, and then I ended up on a train with one of their players after the game. So. We sat beside one another and we got chatting and they didn't feel too pleased, let's just say. They were slightly relieved that they didn't lose, but they weren't too they weren't over the moon, let's say, with, with the fact that it, it finished a point each, because they they sensed that there might have been a chance there. I mean they hit the woodwork four times, but anyway, back to what you were saying. So yeah, they they um obviously they've yeah, they've gained a point. On Fiorentina, and there's only two between them now, and that is a useful thing. But it's one of the, if they stay up, you can look back at this result and go, yes, that was a good point. That helped them in a difficult game. But you know, if they go down, it's yeah, that was a game they should have turned into a win. Woodwork four times, etc. Um, I still just have a weird feeling that Fiorentina are going down. Yeah, I don't know why. And I think you know, even though they are the team above and they are on paper the much better team, I just feel like they have sunk in such a way where it almost doesn't feel in their hands now. It, it feels like it is completely Napoli's call, basically, <laughs> as to who goes down. If they want to get their act together, they can stay up, and it will be at Fiorentina's expense. Well, this is it, because next week, Napoli play Empoli, and Empoli confirmed their survival this week. And Fiorentina are away at Pomigliano, who kind of need to win to ensure theirs. So you can see Pomigliano winning, and Napoli winning, and then... It goes into the last day of the season with Fiorentina in the bottom three. And then Napoli are playing Pomigliano, who will have been saved by the previous week's result if it goes that way, with, with Fiorentina playing Empoli in a Tuscan derby. So these last two rounds are are absolutely fascinating. You would expect Juve to win the title. They're playing Sassuolo next time out. Um, there isn't a match week next week, so it's May 8th and I guess the 7th. Yeah, 7th and 8th that these games will get played. So... We've got a bit of a run-up, and then we've got back-to-back weekends of, of Serie A Femenile, and it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be very, very interesting. And there's a Milan derby to, to keep an eye on in the penultimate round. So, And then there's a Rome derby in the last round. There's loads, loads of stuff <laughs> to keep an eye on. But Ewan will be having his round-up piece published in the next couple of days, so head over to the website to, to keep an eye on that. Back to the men's football, then. And... Venezia Atalanta. I was also at this one. This is my first game of the weekend, and Atalanta finally won a match. Kev three one away from home, and they they made kind of light work of it. 
Yeah, they didn't look like they put up much opposition, Venezia, to be fair, given how few games they've got to try and save themselves. You know, they're stone-cold bottom now, 22 points. They've got a game in hand, but they've not got a game in hand on Salernitana. Mm. And Napoli, Napoli, sorry, Atalanta looked like they could have scored more. Um, they had a couple chalked off, or was it just the one chalked off uh, early on? Uh, Venezia uh, had one chalked off. Was it Venezia? There you go. That's how much was... I was paying attention to your tweet. Good. Right, but, I'll uh... jump in. I'll, I'll take it back from you then. <laughs> mm. <laughs> if you don't want it. But yeah, Venezia had a goal chalked off early on. And it came from nowhere because Atalanta were well on top. And that kind of just sparked Atalanta into a little bit of life. Um, it took them until the right before halftime to get the breakthrough. And even that came with a little bit of luck. But... They had more than enough chances. I mean, they hit the woodwork, I think it was twice before they went ahead. Then Muriel hit the woodwork again in the second half, but he was excellent. Luis Muriel was... He looked like he was toying it. with him at times. He was. He really was. And it was a really nice... Uh, I love when defenders make a fool of themselves. And Svoboda did exactly that for, for Atalanta's second goal. Because it was just after the second half had started. And Muriel got in on the left of the box and he, he ran over and did that thing that, you know, defenders try to do like, oh, this is my box out striker. And he tried to like shoulder charge him. But Muriel just didn't move and he bounced back off of him and fell on the ground himself. And then there was that lovely moment, you know, when a defender is on the ground on his back, like a like if you flip over a turtle and Muriel has to get around this upside down turtle to get to where he wants to go to. And you just see him like scrambling, trying to, it was, it was beautiful. And then Muriel just centered and Zapata scored. And that was kind of good night. Um, but Atalanta needed that win because they haven't won for quite a while. I think it was three on the bounce in Serie A without a win and the Europa League elimination thrown in there in the middle of that as well. So psychologically, that's a big win. And then Fiorentina, Lazio and Roma all losing as well. Maybe the door is just creaking open that little bit more. Vito, Verona 1, Samp 1. Are you getting concerned again? I am getting concerned. Prior to this game, we were lose- We had lost three matches, including uh, one home game to Salernitana, so that was embarrassing. <laughs> and uh, this was definitely a case of two points lost because uh, Chicho Caputo put Samp in front just before half-time. And Champal uh, had set up the team to defend and absorb the pressure from the Jalo Blue, and it seemed that things were going fine. Sump would uh, bring the three points back to Genoa. However, Marco Giampaolo has this obsession with Nocola Muru at left back, and uh, in this case, it cost Sampdoria some points because for me, Tommaso Gelo is the best left back Sump's got hands down. I'd even say that, you know, I've been saying it for two years. He's even national team material. He's a superior player to Emerson Palmieri. But that's uh, another discussion altogether. Uh, but Muru comes on. Verona playing long ball over the fence. And uh, Muru starts watching Yoshida and Caprari. Caprari beats Yoshida. And then Muru starts running back. He trips Aldero. And Caprari goes around Aldero and scores the equaliser. I mean, he was running all over the place. But uh, Muru, aside from being incompetent, I think he's one of the biggest cowards in Italian football. <laughs> Max Allegri is number one for me with his defensive football. But Muru, he's scared to make a tackle. He's scared to make an interception. And he's afraid <laughs> to make runs forward. I mean, he should be in Serie B. Just, uh, he's going there, I- Vito, but he's taking you with him. Yeah, that's the problem. Marco Giampaolo needs to stop being obsessed with him. He's not the player he was from the first time he was at Samp. He's atrocious. And when you have a superior player like Algello who should be at left back, that just makes it more gut-wrenching. So it makes the Genoa derby a real six-pointer, a real nail-biter. And the way things are going, Giampaolo could lose a derby della Lanterna for the first time. I'm going to miss this passion next year, Vito. 
think a lot of people will. <laughs> Peter, hang on. No, you, you don't have to go if Sam get relegated. I want that clear. Okay. No. It's not how it works. It is not how it works, guys. Yep, yep. Oh, don't worry. If England win uh, Qatar 2022, I'm seriously consider moving into a cave. <laughs> He, he, he can't switch back to Juve and sort of put that... No, 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 no. No, I can assure you that will never happen. No what way. I'd rather suppo- I, would ra- I would rather support Catanzaro than um, support Juve again. It's descended into chaos. It's descended. <laughs> it's gone. It, as soon as I hit record, it was gone. But we, we wrestled <laughs> it back for 45 minutes. Now it's gone again. Um... <laughs> Oh my god, look, what's left, what's left, what's left? Just two games, Torino beat Spezia 2-1, Ewan. Well, I can't follow that speech for Vito, but um, <laughs> Torino are finishing nicely, strongly. They, they, they Nicely, strongly? Again. Yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, they, yeah they, they dipped a bit, but they've, what was it, they've won two out of the last four and drawn the other two of those four. Um they could feasibly get in the top half, actually. They're only three points off them, so as well, don't know. Um, Spezia are drifting towards the end of their season. I think that they are the first safe team, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, or the bottom safe one. Um, and I think they'll do a lot more of these results for the last four games or whatever it is. They'll do a lot more of these results. Yep. Sort of vaguely in the game and then lose. They'll do a lot more of these results. Listeners, I'm going to set you a challenge if you're up for it. Count how many times <laughs> you and use the verb through. do in, instead of the appropriate verb for the, the <laughs> sentence he's trying to construct. Anyway, Vito, Bologna Udinese finished 2-2. Aaron Hickey scored, I believe, his fifth goal of the season, which isn't, isn't bad for someone I believe is still a teenager. And, I mean, it was a great day for Scottish footballers in Italy because Liam Henderson scored the first of Empoli's in their comeback against Napoli as well. Yeah, uh, real positive for the Scots, especially when you consider that historically not many Scottish players have played in the Serie A. In the 80s, there was Joe Jordan and Graham Souness, but uh, to see Liam Anderson and now Hickey, and I think Hickey's been a fine player for Bologna mm. in the last couple of years, I think it's uh, good for them and Hopefully for the Scottish national team staff, they actually try to keep an eye out for footballers playing outside the British Isles because Hick in particular is fantastic. And I think now that Henderson is no longer in Serie B, he's having that Serie A experience, um, that might just uh, give him more awareness, hopefully. I still, every time I see Aaron Hickey play and score and I, I hear the the Italian commentating of of his name... I think back to when he signed and I have a mate who works, he's a journalist in, in Bologna. He now works for a really big television company with rights to Serie A. And he, he messaged me in a panic saying, Connor, I'm on my way to the airport. Can you please send me a voice note pronouncing his name? And then I said, yeah, I will. But first you have to do it. So he sent one to me and it was obviously what you'd expect it to be. And then I sent it back and then, you could hear in his news report that he was like trying to pronounce it exactly as I had pronounced it. And it was beautiful. So every time Aaron Hickey does something good, or every time Aaron Hickey does a good, as Ewan would probably say, I'm, I'm brought back to that. Anyway, that takes us to the end of the pod, I think, guys, Un- unless there's anything else to add. Sassuolo Juventus is Monday night. Now, I, I made a mistake with this. I, I was sorting out my accreditation request for the weekend and I, I was you and you remember we discovered this game was on Monday together and I, I was applying for accreditation well it turns out I didn't actually send it to anybody I just sent it <laughs> and it didn't get sent to a recipient it just it went it's, it's just out there How yeah it let you, lets you do that don't I, no, it is right. Maybe, I, maybe I've got it. <laughs> but then I went and it said no recipients, but it's sent. Don't know how I've managed that. Um, <laughs> so probably not going to Sassuolo Juventus tomorrow night. Um, I'm, in, I'm, I'm caught between two options. I can either organize to go for food with friends here in Parma and be warm and happy, or 
I can text the press officer who's always very good to us and see if he'll overlook my mistake and accredit us. What do you guys think I should do? Because I really can't decide. Dinner. It's you, though. <laughs> That's what I was kind of leaning towards. Yeah, Vito's not on as well. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sorry, Saswala. You probably won't see me again this season. Anyway, well, that'll do. Kev, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Vito, say goodbye. Goodbye. Ewan, you know what to do. Goodbye. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> bottled it again. We, we had perfected it on Patreon, but he's lost the plot. Standard goodbye. That's a issue goodbye. That's goodbye from me. <laughs>